Uh, I want to say kudos to all those dads that ran out yesterday and quickly got all the mums a present. I have made a mental note never to go to Penrith at 12 o'clock on the day before Mother's Day. <laughs> Today can be such a beautiful day and I look around this house and it's wonderful to see mums sitting so proudly with their kids next to them or the grandmothers that have come and you get today to enjoy this special time with your mum and um, I just think as well like you know Brock did such a great job hey it's Brock's birthday today and he just did that talk about a proud mama moment and everyone whose child was up here what a proud mama moment but we do acknowledge that can, today can be painful as well it can be challenging day when you're grieving loss and um, yet to receive blessing prayers. We've got mums that are foster mums, um, adoptive mums, but spiritual mums too. And I pray my word today will encourage everybody in this house, no matter who you are, if you're a parent or not a parent, that today you will be, go home encouraged. You know, parenting is all about preparation. Not that I'm a parenting expert, <laughs> but preparation. My mother prepared me and my mum's here today, both of my beautiful mums, my mother in love and my mother. My mother prepared me well for life. Right now she's freaking out. What is she going to say? <laughs> she, I'm so glad that today I don't need my mum to tie my shoelaces or to open my lunch. Yeah. I remember being in year five and my sister went on to year seven and started a different high school and so I suddenly had the thrill and excitement of getting a key to the house. I could go and she, she prepared me how to turn off the alarm, what to do when I got home. I had control of the house. I felt like an adult. She prepared me later as a high schooler, to, taught me to... to to cook and how to put on a load of washing and I'm sure my husband's glad today that I was prepared for the future. It's about preparing and today we see the fruit of the preparation that my mum put into my life and my husband's grateful that I can cook. <laughs> Parenting is about preparation and I think about Jesus. Now Jesus wasn't a biological father but he was the spiritual father to many and he prepared them over a three-year period for the time when he would one day leave. He knew that he had a vision for who they would become and all that they would do for the kingdom. Particularly we see in John chapter 15 and 16, as his time was getting close to leave this earth, he gets more specific in preparing them. There will be hard times ahead, but you will have the Holy Spirit who will be with you to be your helper. And the passage I want to focus on today is John chapter 17. And it's a whole, whole chapter dedicated to the prayer of Jesus for the disciples that he was preparing. He mentored them, he developed them, and he deployed them. He prayed for them many times, but I love that John was close enough that he heard the prayer of Jesus this day so that we can know it today and read it today. You know, I think that's awesome. I often pray out loud in front of my kids. Now, we don't have big prayer meetings every night in our house, but just even on the way to church, we'll pray and um, 
Pray expecting what God will do in the kids and in the adults. We'll pray on the way to school. Pray for friends and teachers. We'll pray if there's an ambulance going past. We'll pray sporadically. And if I forget, they'll soon remind me that I haven't prayed for the person that that ambulance has needed for. It's about the naturally supernatural and the power of prayer. And when I pray off the spur of the moment or when we go into their room at night one at a time and we spend time, Mitch and I praying with our kids, we're teaching them that we believe in the power of prayer. We're teaching them how to pray, what to pray, and most importantly, we're sharing our hearts with their heart, tying heartstrings with their heart. And Jesus is doing this. He's praying for his disciples and he's sharing his heart's desire for them. So it interests me, what is it that Jesus prayed over his disciples? Because whatever he prayed over his disciples, that's what I want to be praying over my kids, over my disciples, over my team, over my family. So let's have a look. Let's dive into John chapter 17, verse 1. After saying these things, Jesus looks up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you for you have given him authority over everyone he gives eternal life to each one you have given him and this is the way to have eternal life to know God the only true God and Jesus Christ the one you sent to earth wow that's the way to God he was praying the way to God over his disciples verse 4 I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Jesus is saying and praying to his Father, saying, I've showed them the way to eternal life and I have done what you have completed, you've asked me to do. I've completed the mission. Now, the other day, I gave one of my children a mission. I said, can you please just get those towels ready for the wash and when I come home... I'll I'll wash them. So I get home an hour later. So where are the towels? Did you bring them all down? Oh, I knew there was one thing you asked me to do, but I couldn't remember what that one thing was. Yes, I was hoping for, yes, Mum, I've completed the work that you've given me to do. (laughs) But they're not Jesus yet. (laughs) Jesus said, I've completed the work you gave me to do, but he hasn't quite gone to the cross. It wasn't the work that he was supposed to do, going to the cross to pay for the sins of the world. He hasn't quite done that. Is he pulling a trick like one of my children? No. No, he has completed the work the Father has given, and we find that in verse 6. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. The job the father gave the son was to reveal him to the ones that he had given him. Kids are a gift. I'll say that again. Our kids are a gift because sometimes we need reminding of that. Our disciples are a gift. Our work colleagues are a gift. Temporary treasures that we've been entrusted with for a season. And I love the reminder here. They belong to God. They belong to him, not to us. And Jesus had revealed the Father in his words, 
in his actions. He was God in the flesh and dwelt among them. And he, he says here, as we go on to verse 8, For I have passed on to them the message that you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. He passed on the message. He gave the message his father had given him so that they would know God through a relationship through him, that they would know eternal life. Our job is to also teach our kids. Now, we teach them to tie their shoelaces, how to make their lunch. We teach them the ABCs, maybe how to win a race, how to make a meal. But like Jesus, we must much more importantly, reveal the Father to them and teach them to how to have a real, authentic relationship with Jesus. And we can get distracted with the work, you know, the organising, the appointments, teaching them to brush their teeth, flush the toilet, the homework, the teaching them to drive, which is our next mission. <laughs> Pray for us, please. <laughs> We must teach our kids how to know God and then it's up to them whether they will accept and follow and believe. Like Jesus, our job is to pray for our disciples, our treasures. And I love in verse 9, he says, So with deep love I pray for my disciples. And I am believing that we're going to have a fresh passion for prayer in this house, a fresh passion to pray for our treasures that we've been entrusted. You might say, well, does God even really hear my prayers? I know he hears Jesus' prayers, he loves Jesus, but does he hear my prayers? Perhaps you had a parent who didn't listen to you when you were young and so you have this feeling that you project towards God that he doesn't really listen to me, I'm not really being heard. I personally, I want to be heard when it comes to my kids or for anyone. I don't like feeling ignored. And I remember a parenting tip when my kids were small that I really valued where they said to get your toddler and if you want to give them instruction and you want them to obey these instructions, get down close to them, get down low and talk in a, in a calm voice but look them in the eyes and, and share what you want them to do and get them to say back, yes, mum. So I adopted that. I need a yes, mum. It's something about those words, yes, mum, that moves the heart towards that direction. Well, I love to know that I'm being heard. And the other day I felt like I needed that reminder from God that he hears my prayers. And the next morning I opened my Bible and this is what I read in Psalm 116 where I was up to in my devotion. I am passionately in love with God because he listens to me. He hears my prayers and answers them. As long as I live, I'll keep praying to him for he stoops down to listen to my heart's cry. Now, we might not have an experience like Cornelius, who when he was praying in his home, he suddenly had a man, an angel in dazzling white before him in a booming voice, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. But we can be assured that God is hearing our prayers. And as, jo as John wrote in, in chapter 16, Jesus prepared his disciples and he said to them, 
God will hear you. He said in verse 26, chapter 16, In that day you will ask in my name, and I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. You don't need to pray through anybody else, a saint or anybody else. He's saying you can pray to the Father yourself because your Father in heaven loves you and he will hear you. There is power in a praying parent. He hears you. You're partnering with him. And there is power in a praying disciple maker. The other day I had lunch with one of our awesome young leaders and she shared with me, she's a Connect leader, that a few months ago, earlier in the year, we, we gathered all of our Connect group leaders, leaders our, our kids leaders, our youth leaders and our adults leaders, and I just really encouraged them to be praying daily for their disciples. And she had been having some trouble with her, her youth girls. They weren't coming, they weren't interested, and she thought, you know what, I'm going to try that. So she started praying for her, for her girls every day and she started to see a turnaround. She started to see a change in their heart and their attendance as well because there is power in prayer. So what do we pray? What did Jesus pray for his disciples? Well, let's have a look. You want to know? There's three things that really stood out to me and let's have a look in verse 11. He says this, he's praying this. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. No one's naming names. Judas. Now, he's praying protection. He's already prayed salvation over them and he he are the ones that believe and are followers now. They accepted him and now he's saying, I've been praying protection over them the whole time. And he is saying, when I leave now, I pray continued protection Praying the name of Jesus over our kids, over the ones entrusted to us. Praying over them that they will navigate this dark world that they are immersed in. In verse 13, he prays this, Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I pray for them as they are in the world. Our our kids need to be in the world but not of the world. We can't just keep them away and and isolate them. They're in a world with influences. If they're in a school that's five days a week, six hours a day with influences. We need to pray protection over them that they'd have the right influences. We want to pray 1 John 2, that the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, we need to pray protection from those over our kids. Cancel culture, persecution. And in the words of that great social commentator T. Swift, the haters are going to hate, 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 hate. They've got to shake it off. Because this world, this, this age, this, this 
cancel culture. We need to have a generation that is strong and, and unafraid and unashamed and who will fearlessly stand for Jesus. He goes on verse 15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. There is an evil one. Some people say, I believe in God, but I don't believe in the devil. don't want to believe in him. Well, Jesus spoke about the evil one. He spoke about the devil. And the enemy has a plan and a purpose. He wants to derail our, our children. He wants to steal the word from them. And we need to pray that the enemy will not prevail in their lives. That Lord, keep them from temptation and the pain that it brings. Lord, we pray over them. Keep them from the hurts and the sorrows, from sickness, from fears and attacks, from strongholds like doubt and a spirit of lies. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds because they exist. And we need to be in the war room, in the fight, fighting for them, standing in the gap for them. Amen? We need to pray protection and we need to pray, secondly, purpose. In verse 17, Jesus prays, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What does sanctify mean? It means to set them apart for a special purpose. Set them apart. Jesus said, sanctify them, set them apart. They're not normal they're not average they are set apart for a purpose in verse 18 he said just as you sent me into the world I am sending them into the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth these young people that he was raising up they were like 13 to 30 year olds that he was investing into he believed they were set apart for a special purpose they had gifts and talents and and abilities that were going to be used for kingdom purposes. And I tell you, your children, the people that you are responsible for, the people in your workplace, they have gifts and talents and abilities and they are set apart for a purpose. And we need to pray purpose over them. We need to pray and declare over them and believe for them that they will be used of God and used for God's purposes. I love how Jesus prays over them and he believes faithfully that they're going to succeed. They are going to succeed. Verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Talk about purpose and significance. We need them to have their significance in God. We need to believe that God will use them to be a strong witness and we need to help them to be a witness, to show, show Christ, to be outward focused from a young age. He keep, continues his prayer in verse 21. I pray that they will all be one, all of these believers and these ones that come to know you, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The third thing that I want to share with you is praying peace, praying unity, praying oneness. Unity of Holy Spirit is in each one of us. Unity of God's love inside of each one of us. The peace that comes being united in a mission and a cause. Our unity, our relationships full of peace, well, they actually give us credibility for the gospel. And the world, that the world will know that God has sent us. You think of an orchestra, 
the harmony, the peace. It causes harmony and it sounds beautiful. But where there is discord, disunity, it doesn't sound so good, does it? I know in the back of my car when I hear disunity, I don't like the sound of it. We want our kids to get along and I read a great book on, it's called Parenting by Andy and Sandra Stanley and they really give vision for raising kids who want to be friends when they're older, when they're adults, that they will continue to love each other and want to hang out with each other when we're not around. And so the premise of the book is that they teach them from a, they taught their kids from a young age to know how to give forgiveness to one another, how to ask for forgiveness, how to repent, how to go to somebody when you've offended them, whether it be in their family or outside of their family, how to restore peace. So I put it in action. One of my friends let me know that my son had said something that had hurt her son's feelings. So I went to him and I said to my son, did you say this? He said, well, I said, I didn't do this, but I said this. And I said, well, how do you think that that made him feel? And he said, oh, I think it probably hurt him. I said, and what do you think you should do? And he said, oh, I should ask for his forgiveness. I said, yeah, mate, I think that's a good idea. I said, how about we go to the shop? with your pocket money and we're going to get him a gift and um, we can write him a card and restore relationship with him. So we did that. Went to the shop. He got the biggest block of chocolate he could find and he wrote this little note and stuck it on there and took it for his friend. And I think that act was an act of humility and it taught him how to humble himself and how to restore relationship. And I think one day his wife will thank me that he is able to say sorry and ask for forgiveness because there are so many marriages that would be so much better if the adults would know how to humble ourselves and just ask for forgiveness and restore relationship. What a skill every marriage needs. Let's go on, verse 22. He said, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Peace and unity is a sign and a wonder. It's a testimony of God's love at work in us and through us. And we are going to accomplish the mission that the King has for us when we unite around our love for the King and we unite around the, the common cause that we have together. Amen? And this last verse, verse 24. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. They, then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. The final part of that prayer, I want them to be with me in eternity. I want them to have eternal life with me. What a prayer to pray. We need to be praying this prayer of Jesus. We need to be praying for protection, praying for purpose and praying for peace and unity. Amen. I'm wondering right now, I'd like to, I think it's team for coming. Sometimes we can feel like, you know, I, I don't have time to pray. It's hard to get that time to pray. And we have excuses, we're busy and we've got to make it a priority. We must make it a priority. I read about Susanna Wesley and she inspired me 
Susanna Wesley was born to a family, a Christian home, and she became a follower of Jesus from a young age. She, when she, she grew up, she got married. And when she got married, she started having babies. She had 19 babies. She raised 10 of them to adulthood. Nine passed away. 19 pregnancies. Not, that's a whole lot of pregnancy hormones and postpartum hormones. She dealt with grief of burying nine children. To bury one child is heartbreaking. She buried nine children. She dealt with her own grief and loss. She, she battled sickness in her life, a lot of sickness. Her marriage was a mess. It was hard. Her husband suffered with depression, but he'd also just go off on different visions and work and things that he would come up with. And so they suffered with financial hardship too. What a strain on a life if there's any excuse to be down and out. Yet, also, two of her houses burnt down. She didn't have an easy life. She homeschooled 10 children six days a week. Bless her. <laughs> and somehow amongst all of the emotional, physical strain, she prayed for two hours a day. How did she do it? Well, she didn't have Instagram and TV and Facebook, but she, she dedicated time. And what she would do is she would take time in the, in the middle of the kitchen. She didn't have a large house, you know. She would pull her apron up over her head and she would, the kids would know, you ain't disturbing mum when that apron is over my head. It is my time of prayer. She would pray an hour for her children. And she would also pray an hour and spend time with the Lord, her own devotion, her own um, time of journaling and in the word for herself. She prioritised it. She prioritised at evenings when the children went to bed, she would take one or two of those children and she would spend time with them, ask, answering questions about faith and praying with them and, and um, listening to their hearts and counselling them for whatever they were dealing with. This woman inspired me, her strength and her determination in God. You know, sometimes we can be like, wow, you know, feel like a little bit condemnation. No, I'm inspired by that. I may not be able to be that, but I, I can do more. And I just look at her influence on her children, her sons, John and Charles Wesley. <laughs> they started a revival, the hugest revival, a movement in the 18th century where they saw multitudes responding with, what must I do to be saved? It became the Methodist Church, and today Susanna is called the Mother of Methodism. It's written that throughout his life, John Wesley was in constant written correspondence with his mother, discussing matters of faith and asking for her counsel in the ministry. There is power in a praying parent. There is power. Will you stand with me this morning? I'd love to pray over you and pray together. My heart's prayer is that you would Know today that you would walk home with such a sense of the power of prayer, the significance of your prayers, and what they are accomplishing in the spiritual realm. My heart's prayer is that you'd go home knowing what I can be praying over my kids. You know, every morning I do my devotion. I actually have this little prayer book that I keep with my devotion. It does remind me when you see the power of a praying parent there. 
And I take the prayer of this and I pray it over my kids, the daily prayer, the theme, but I also pray it over my husband and over my disciples, over my team. I pray that, that word every day. It's a tool that helps and maybe you want to get some tools in your hand to help you. But the main thing is that, that we decide today, what am I going to do? What am I going to change in my schedule? What am I going to do to start to have a culture of prayer in my home, in my heart, in my life? Heavenly Father, Lord, we present ourselves to you and we say, Lord, we're inspired. Lord, we're challenged. But Lord, would you show us how we can carve out time to make a difference in that quiet place with you? Lord, I thank you that you hear our prayers, that our prayers are significant, that you hear them and that you move and you change things. And Lord, we believe together that this generation, Lord God, could be the generation of a revival, Lord God, a revival in our suburbs in Penrith in our city Lord God and Lord we dedicate ourselves to praying Lord God that you would move and that you would use our children and this generation Lord God Lord we devote ourselves to praying for their protection in this world as things change in this climate Lord God that we will dedicate ourselves to to standing with them and for them and praying protection over them Lord Lord we pray purpose Lord God, that the, the gifts and the talents that you've put into our, our young men and our young women, Lord God, that they will be used of you and for your purposes, Lord God. That, Lord, their significance wouldn't come from the things of this world, but, Lord, their significance would come from serving you. Lord, we pray unity, Lord. We pray peace in relationships. Lord, peace with our children if there's anything, Lord God, that's, that's not right at the moment with our children or with our parents, Lord God. Lord, with our grandparents, Lord, we pray restoration. We pray unity, Lord God, that you would keep a spirit of peace in our families, Lord, that the world would know that you are real, that your love is real, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for a new hunger, a new passion for prayer in your mighty name. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Thank you, team.